Hey everyone. Hey y'all. Welcome, Welcome to, to The, the Ink. Ink, a podcast devoted to uncorking the comics, films, video games, and TV shows that make up all things geekdom. Especially if they both reflect and represent the rich colors of POC-centered and occasionally POC-adjacent narratives. This week I am cosplaying as The Doctor. That is right, The Doctor Ruth Clayton, played by actress Joe Martin. Um, this is the second female Doctor from the Doctor Who series. Um, and she's also the first Doctor um, of color and the first Black Doctor. Um, and for all of those wondering, she is in fact the Doctor. I know Jodie Whittaker is also playing the Doctor on this season of the show, but um, there's some probably some timey-wimey shit. They are Time Lords, so there's some timey-wimey stuff going on. Um, she is an incarnation of the Doctor that took place at some point in time before Jodie Whittaker's Doctor that is also existing at the same time as Jodie Whittaker's, Whittaker's Doctor. But she is very much a Doctor and she is very much in charge. So yeah. there's And it's an interesting story behind, backstory behind how we come to find out who she is. Um, and she seems like she's going to be really cool, uh, in how she is involved in the rest of the series. I'm so. excited. Mm-hmm. I also know that she comes with a few warnings when she appears. So <laughs> no, not the character. Well, no, I mean, yes, <laughs> yes yeah. the character, yes, the character, <laughs> but not, not as in she's a bad actress or anything like that, but I feel so bad. You know why? Why? Because the, the fan boys have to deal with two. <laughs> female doctors one of which is a yes, black woman yes yes and she's also, canonically a doctor yes and she's also like a middle-aged woman oh yes oh and yes and in this series they have kind of had a little uh bit of a problem with killing off elderly characters especially <laughs> elderly characters of color yeah so um i'm glad that she's in there and i was very afraid that she might you know bite the bucket in the same episode is that that's not it. No, nope. it's not bite the bucket. Nope. No, no. Nope. It's, it's another beat. It's bite the bullet. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what I meant. We got anyway, there. She, we yeah. got there. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought she was gonna do that in the in the episode that she also premiered in, but no, she's still around. Yeah, she is. She has staying power. How? Um, who are you cosplaying as? Um, this week I am cosplaying as Journey Smollett Bell, as Black Canary in honor of the movie coming out this week, which we're super excited about. (laughs) Yeah, definitely was some other bird. (laughs) I was like, okay, Moira. Don't make me do my impersonation. Ooh, no one wants that. Um, I've always liked Black Canary, but as a songstress to myself, mm-hmm. this characterization really deeply resonates. Um, I also like a lot of the fashion choices that she's making. Yeah, she does really look badass. Yeah. I think they're also functional fashion fashion choices. Can we freaking talk um, about it? There was, a, there was a clip that they released where um, they were all in a fight scene, um, and Black Canary was fighting... And Harley was fighting, and Black Canary got her hair in her face. And Harley like went over to her and was like, "Yo, do you need a hairpin?" And oh yeah, she, she like, needed a, a hair you. a hair tie. Yeah, yeah. A hair tie. And she mm-hmm. tied the hair back, and she continued to whoop ass. Yes, but, um, yes, yes. I um, really enjoy Journey's choices because I know that she studied um, the game Injustice. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which Black Canary is a, a fighter in that game, and so she took a lot of her um, fighting choreography. Um, and infused it with um, some from that video game character. Work. Yeah. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. 
I'm also a fan of the character and of this characterization because of the amazing costume designer behind the entire movie. This person has a vision. She has a vision. She made it plain, like mm-hmm. the good book says, mm-hmm. and went straight through it. So um, I'm not entirely sure how they identify, so I'm just going to use them. They gave an interview recently about their choices for all the different characters. And I love the way that she described it, which was that she is obviously going to pay homage to the comic books, but gave it like a street-ifying effect to it. So Black Canary is this ultimate city girl survivor. She's a sultry singer by night, and by day she's all business. She will eventually see what that all, what all that business looks like. She's the kind of girl who innately knows how to pull a look together, exemplifying the style that can't be bought. She just has it. So I love this in particular because there are so many folks that I know that work in nightlife here in New York who by night look like they worked out and some do work hours on a particular look to pull this cohesive look together and by day are just crushing it with streetwear out there on the grind. It also reminds me so much of one of my favorite TV shows, Smash, and how ultimately (laughs) I probably 10 years from now will want to be in a career where I can just wear lounge chic (laughs) i mean honestly own your own business which will basically look like (laughs) black canary (laughs) i'm gonna stab you (laughs) so yes that is who i'm cosplaying as this um for this episode and we'll tell you more about the movie in general because we are going to go see it this saturday sure are yep Mm-hmm. So look out for our... I'm actually very excited. Very much so. So very look out for excited. our unsolicited opinion. Yes. Very soon. All right. So we will move right along into what's coming down the pipe. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll start this week. So what's coming down the pipe for me is the video game Indivisible, <clears throat> which actually released on PS4 and Xbox One on October 8th. But your boy just copped it in a... <laughs> playstation sale for very cheap um so i'm just now beginning to play it oh god i'm sorry but uh she just copped it (laughs) she just copped it in the words of retta what did she say in uh in good girls my child speaks the language of the streets yes um but so i'm beginning to play through it now and it is a wonderful game wonder wonderful game um and that's why i decided to talk about it um but it um is an action role-playing platforming game uh which is developed by um, lab zero games and published by 505 games so when you're thinking action role-playing platforming game think of side scrollers like um metroid or mega man or sonic and then fuse that with turn-based fighting like you would have in old school final fantasy games or um child of light um, if you understood all of that, you're our primary audience for this podcast. Yes, yes. If you did not, don't worry. I didn't either. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Go YouTube it. You'll see it. And then you'll be like, oh, yeah, that's what he was <laughs> talking about. He said that. He did. I understand it. Yeah. Um, but the Continue game features... Yeah. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> the game features animations by the Japanese anime studio, Studio Trigger, which is an infamous studio because they did um, anime series like Kill la Kill and uh, Little Witch Academia. And they also did um, the movie Promare, which uh, was a huge hit in theaters last winter. Or 
earlier this winter. And I slight guess. plug, Little Witch Academia, I believe this is still on Netflix. Yeah. Worth a watch. Two seasons and a movie or two movies. Definitely worth watching. They're brooms. Little girls. Um, witches. But, <laughs> yes. But a little bit of the story about this game. Um, it follows this uh, fiery, good-natured tomboy um, girl named Ajna. And she has a little bit of a rebellious streak. Um, but her life's kind of thrown into uh, dismay and just like craziness when um, after training with her dad, um, she's kind of left alone to think about her thought, like left alone with her thoughts. And then when she goes about, <laughs> when she goes back to the village, she sees it that it's been burnt down. Her dad's been murdered um, by this mis- uh, this mysterious army named the Virus Army. Um, and so she has to kind of go on a journey to f- get her revenge and find out what this mysterious ability um, is that she's awakened. Um, and this, this ability is kind of interesting, too, because what happens is she meets these really cool individuals along the way. They're super strong. They're super powerful. And then she absorbs them into her head. So she kind of <laughs> care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So really from left field, really from left field. But it's cool because she kind of carries them in her head, um, storing them, and then they can jump out throughout her journey to kind of help her with fighting and if um, like talking to different people and through hard situations. Hmm. Um, Me too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You always have those like people that you carry with you and those things, those people that you learn things from that you carry with you. So I kind of think it's a play on that. I just mean personalities. But... Or that, <laughs> or that, um, but yeah. So you know, she meets these people. She goes on this journey to stop um, Ravanavar, who is the despot behind the um, Rava, uh, the virus army, um, while learning, you know, who she is, what her past is, and this crazy ability that she has. Um, last thing I want to say about this game: the world is beautiful. Um, there are multiple settings um, and cultures throughout the game um, from East and Southeast Asia to mid- the Middle East to North Africa. Um, where I am now, I also, I also came across um, a, um, an area that's kind of based on um, um, South American, like ancient South American culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cast so far has been all characters of color (laughs) no one has been white yet which i think is really cool and also very uncommon yet (laughs) yet right um because you know just yeah i mean i i don't even have to explain that yeah but uh the cast uh has all different shades of skin and textures of hair and body proportions and personalities and yeah it's just been an amazing fun journey so far so think about indivisible Go YouTube it. It's a fun little a fun little di- time. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Think, they think I think they have a walkthrough on YouTube too. So if you yeah, if you don't um, want to buy the game and play it, there's a walkthrough that you can watch someone else playing it, which was one of my goals this year was to do more of that. Yes, it is. Yes, it um, is. And it's it's a relatively short game. Like you're not gonna be spending, you know, sixty hours like some of these other games out there just to watch a whole playthrough. Yeah. No exactly. No exactly. Way. I have not played it. I've been watching it from the sidelines, and it does look very interesting. So at the very least, I will say that the walkthroughs probably are even more interesting because I'm hearing every third word right now. But <laughs> yes. 
And the powers look cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a very immersive environment. Yes. Um, speaking of immersive yes, environments. Yes, immersive. My was coming down the pipe for this week is an immersive Wonderland installation coming to Midtown Manhattan. Oh. So all of my New York folks, look out for this. It is literally called Immersed say, is in that the name Wonderland. <laughs> um, we'll talk about that a bit later. I'm still I'm still composing my strong worded email. <laughs> so it is created by um, a very gifted painter, Alexa Mead, that specializes in creating two-dimensional paintings out of three-dimensional spaces, including human skin. She's done a shit ton of things, including painting the high priestess the herself of high ponytails. Ariana Grande. <laughs> oh, okay. Ariana Grande. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She painted her for um, Ariana's video, God is a Woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you saw that effect, that is literally the work of Alexa Mead. Go, girl. And it's very interesting because you essentially get to travel through different scenes that are and have animated and driven the storyline of Alice in Wonderland. So you can go through the Mad Hatter's Tea Party, the Queen of Hearts House of Cards. You can go down the rabbit hole, which apparently is an obstacle course. Um, You even get to experience the underlying psychedelic nature of the Cheshire Cat. Sign me up. Which I'm super excited about. Um, All of which, uh, in which you become the main character of these stories. So I'm super excited about that. You get to step inside the paintings, wear the painted costumes, interact with the um, installations, all that jazz. I'm so. Baby, don't okay. go high. Cause something. <laughs> no, 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 no. More like sweat. And <laughs> oh, damn it, Michael. <laughs> you know. Anyways, body odor. You know. But you know. Look, if Naomi don't Campbell listen to me, don't listen to me. Can take wet wipes into a 747. You too can carry some wet wipes around with you because things are going around. This is very true. So I'm super excited about that because you get to really become a part of this two-dimensional art in a very immersive way. Hence the name Immersed in <laughs> Wonderland. So I just... I mean, what? I mean, even down the road. That took a writer's hole, room, didn't it? I don't know. That, it yeah, it, I, I, really I feel don't. like they, they had focus group after focus group after focus group to really come up with a name that is as creative as Immersed in Wonderland. Shoot, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I just... I'm sorry. This is also brought to you by the company that brought you Rose Mansion, if you are familiar with that, if you live in New York. Ugh. So you go from Rose Mansion to Immersed in Wonderland. You don't lose oh, any connected. of the... So, um, I believe your pathway through the Immersive Wonderland ends at the Rose Mansion's Mad Tea Party Bar. So does that mean I pay once and get into both? No, I, Okay, no, okay. Great. I've already researched it. Well. <laughs> exactly. Okay, we'll go after so, the paycheck. Save your ducats <laughs> for all that. Um, um, so super excited I, about that, though. I think it's a great way for me to face my trauma because... Of germs? No, of Alice in Wonderland because I was actually... The movie, the Disney movie actually terrified me as a child. That's not trauma. Anyway. It terrified me as a child. Um, like the talking flowers and the big caterpillar. Um, surprising, oh, surprisingly, oh. yeah. The the um, the Cheshire Cat um, was probably the least freaky thing for me as a child. Uh-huh. Uh Which is funny because I'm allergic. But and then I read the actual novels in high school. Yeah. And found out that Lewis Carroll was actually batshit. Yeah. And yeah, pedophile. Very much so. And that just made me more <laughs> weirded out about oh, the whole story. Do you want me to so, grocery out even more? Mm-hmm. And all of you, actually, right. look up 
I believe it was in 2005 or at least the early aughts. Don't quote me here. But there was an Alice in Wonderland video game that was a psychological horror based video game. It was yes. a platformer. Yes. There was a, there were two. There were two. Exactly. That actually was And she's that escaping bad. from yeah. uh, a mental institution. And mm-hmm. it's very interesting because the Cheshire Cat is skeletal, which I find interesting. Because um, I like the macabre. And other shit that I'm not going to spoil for you, nor can I remember. Mm. So... Go look up that, and if you are in New York, get ready to spend your money on this immersive experience, germs and all. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's cool. go. Let's do both. All right, I'm down. When uh, we have both money. <laughs> yes. So. Um, moving on into the next section, newsreel. Uh, first off, <clears throat> the Super Bowl was last weekend. Um, I know some people go um, or watch for the sports ball. Um, <laughs> other people watch for the commercials and the gays watch for the halftime show. That we do. But um, I'm going to talk about one of the commercials, uh, which was Disney Plus's big game ad, uh, which kind of featured little little bits of their new uh, Marvel series that they were going to be releasing on Disney Plus this year. So we got a little bit of WandaVision, mm-hmm. we got a little bit of um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, yeah, and we, we got did. a little bit, a little, little, little bit of Loki, like not even that much of Loki. We just know that he's still alive, which yeah. we already knew in general. Yeah. But um, I really wanted to talk about WandaVision because, to me, that one is the one that's the one to watch. Mm. Um, I think it's going to be the most interesting and the most different from what we already see in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. So what we already know about WandaVision, um, it's meant to directly tie into the movie Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is supposed to come out sometime in the future. I think it's going to be a phase. It's a phase four marvel film yeah i think it is yeah. but it's definitely gonna they haven't even started filming yet and we don't know any details about that so who knows we know one detail and that is only that as of this week sam raimi is now the director of Ooh, dr strange that's too. good yeah because yes. it's supposed to be more of a horror movie exactly which yeah. i'm excited about so i like that i like that a lot but um yeah, One Division is supposed to tie directly into that, and One Division is going to be this wacky sitcom six episode ride um, of a show. Um, we're going to have Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen returning um, as Vision and Wanda Maximoff, aka Scarlet Witch, <clears throat> respectively. And the show will actually be premiering um, as of yesterday. They said um, December of this year, so we're going to get it later on. Oh, Jesus! Yeah, later on. That might be timely in terms of reality warping. Honestly, honestly. <laughs> but now to break down this trailer or the little bits of the trailer that we got or the little bits of the show that we got in the trailer. All 32 seconds. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's how long the trailer was. Yes. <laughs> could you imagine if you could possibly so there was probably maybe give an like, elevator pitch? Maybe like seven, eight seconds of this actual show in the trailer. You honestly have to go back and hit pause several times to catch many of these details that my very observant and astute co-host All catches. I'm saying is, do you know how many YouTubers are out there that went and did that? Oh, God is good. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Reddit's for, Look. honestly. But, um... Yeah, so it seems uh, that we're going to have a lot of different sitcom styles represented in this show. Probably like four or five of them from about 
three or four different decades. Um, and they're all going to kind of be portraying Wanda and Vision's relationship or some point in their relationship. So we know we're going to have the black and white 50s type of sitcom. So like the Honeymooners or I Love Lucy. And this is going to really show Wanda and Vision in their newlywed stage and how that's going along. And then we're going to um, move into the early 60s era. So like Bewitched. Um, and in this, we in the trailer, we saw um, Wanda in her classic Scarlet Witch costume, you know, with the with the red M crowned and the and the cape. Um, but I do emphasize that it was a costume. There's a little tassel that that's t- tied around her neck. Oh, I know. That <clears throat> so, was the one thing that I had to pause on because I knew for sure they weren't giving me that bullshit. Right, exactly. It was loose too, so it was like, <laughs> where are you going? Because <laughs> my first thought I was like, please tell me that Scarlet Witch did not lose a sewing challenge. It, yeah, no, no. It's like, oh, if a window's open, it's gone. It's <laughs> Whoopsies! Gone. Uh, just like Kate Moss. But. Why are you this person? <laughs> but yeah, so it's a costume, so maybe that's like a Halloween episode or, or where she's like, they're at home and they're giving candy to the neighborhood children which moves into the groovy late 60s, 70s, Brady Bunch, Partridge Family era, mm-hmm. where Wanda is indeed pregnant, mm. which is exciting, which is what I, and I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> um, moving on from pregnant Wanda, we have the classic 80s full house um, step-by-step vibe. Um, and in this, we see Wanda and Vision standing in front of two cribs. Um, and this is, is exciting because now we know that Wanda's, um, Wanda actually had twins. Mm -hmm. Um, and in the comics, Wanda actually has two boys. Um, we have Wiccan and we have Speed, um, and they're a part of the Young Avengers. So fingers crossed, this is them doing something with the Young Avengers coming into the MCU, but who knows? (laughs) Uh, because though there were two, two cradles, or cribs. Um, one pacifier was blue and one pacifier was pink. I have thoughts. Yeah. I have thoughts. So I don't know if they're changing the sex of one of the babies or if it doesn't matter because, look, gender reveals and, like, gender, like, come on. I yes. think we're over that. And hopefully Marvel is smart enough to be over that. But... <clears throat> oh, the podcast was indeed a visual medium. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that era. And then last but not least, we go into the whole 90s, um, happy family, married with children, family ties type of, um, sitcom. And in this clip, we see Wanda standing in front of a fridge that's covered in arts and crafts. And one of those crafts is a very ugly, might I say, letter B, which I think was made out of noodles or something. Um, but that could actually stand for Billy. Kaplan. It could. Is it very Wiccan. well could. Yeah, that's um, Wiccan's name. Um, and if we get a canon Wiccan, and also knowing that we have Whispers of Hulkling being added into the MCU mm-hmm. pretty soon, um, we could get one of the most famous uh, queer couples in Marvel history. All I'm saying is, say it with me. Gay shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We live. Mm-hmm. But, um... This this is what really makes me excited, like knowing that Wiccan could prop- possibly be added into the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always been one of my favorite uh, Marvel characters. Um, same, same. And I'm also just really glad that the studio is trying to diversify how they deal with the superhero genre. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know 
and it's been it's been like this for a while people people are getting tired of it it was a it, it was a huge there was a huge rise of it in the um aughts um and the you know 2010s but towards the middle people really started kind of like getting tired of it and they started losing it started losing some steam especially with the people especially with people that don't know the source material so i'm glad that they're kind of playing with the with the um the genre and i think there's a lot more room for you to do this kind of experience experimental some experiential might be scratch and sniff um experimental left of center storytelling on the small screen we saw that a bit with marvel's runaways we saw that with legion in yep. fact legion probably is the um strongest frame of reference for how they might approach yeah. what i think is going to be yeah. a depiction of wanda's mm-hmm. descent into madness there was a la house of m marvel um show that did like that really played with sanity and um recently oh. That was very like reality bending and warping and recently, I think so. The fr- first, the only thing I can think of, like Legion was definitely one Marvel related, but, but there is. Oh, you're thinking of um. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I know who you're thinking of. Uh huh. What's what's the character's name? What's her What's her name? Oh no. Oh. What are you thinking of? I'm thinking of Jessica um, Jones. No, I was but not, not thinking, thinking of, of that. I was neither thinking, was I. Who are you thinking, thinking of? Um, <laughs> DC's character from um. Oh, you're, you're you're talking about um, Typhoid Mary. Yes, Typhoid Mary. That was in Doom Patrol. That's what you're thinking of. Yeah, but Typhoid Mary is not her name. But yes. Her name is Typhoid Mary. Is it? No. It's yes, it is. Else. Alice. No, not Alice. No, it is Typhoid Mary. Crazy, Crazy Jane. Jane. Yes. But there is a Typhoid Mary. No, Typhoid Mary. Typhoid Mary. But Typhoid, Typhoid Mary is a Marvel, Marvel. character. Yes, exactly. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I was you're like, right. Typhoid Mary. That's a Daredevil villain. My first time, type women. Come on, Texas drag queen. True. Um, mm, I like Denver. Probably Denver. Mm. Anywho, just anywhere in the South, honestly. Um, yeah. So I think with Crazy Jane, but definitely as far as entire TV show being a frame of reference for this, the way that Legion approached storytelling around mental illness and 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 a mental break is going to be interesting, especially if they're going to use this as a way to parlay into something else. Which agreed. I'm, agreed. I'm interested in that. Um, I have a few other thoughts as well. Yes, please. So, <laughs> definitely the black and white 50s feels like this kind of idealized form of their relationship. Mm-hmm. And if you connect this back up to her uh, descent into madness, right. it is a space where... Let's all be honest. She snapped after she saw Thanos rip the, um, what was it, the, the mind gem out of Vision yes. and Vision just yes. went limp. Yes. Also, I would like to add this fact that when Vision died, he went monochromatic, just like this era of black and white. The gaze. We get the details. So... We get the details. My God, yes. Yes. I thought what was also interesting is that it looks like in the 60s and 70s and the 80s, hijinks very much ensue, mm-hmm. as they do mm-hmm. in some of these other TV shows, which really sells this idea that she is trying to maintain, with the best of her ability and will, this idealized form of their relationship. Yeah, I think she's trying to keep... Well, better yet. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so what, what what I mean by that is that it's going to be... A, there's, there's this natural evolution of the honeymoon stage, where they have a family where, you know, baby Jane or crazy Jane sticks a fork into <laughs> the... 
socket and yeah. things like that where she has this picture perfect life as depicted on TV shows. Yeah, I mean because that's something that she never got to have because she was always on exactly. the run exactly. with Vision and then what, you know, lo and behold, everything catches up to them. Well, didn't she live in war-torn some Eastern European country? Growing up, she lived in that um no, I don't know. I don't know where she lived. I don't either. Are you talking about comic book canon? No, 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 no. Movie. Movie, movie canon. canon. Comic book canon, no. Comic no. book canon, she was turned crazy because Magneto was a horrible father. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, oof. Anyway, oof. but to move on. Yeah. Uh, Pacifier and blue. Yeah. Pacifier and pink. All right. Gay shit. True. Possibly gay shit. True. Don't like that they're queer coding in this way. True. But I appreciate the attempt at gay shit. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, the bee could really be anything because children can't craft well. <laughs> But yeah, it was obviously, (laughs) it was, there's, you know, it was obviously a B, okay? Um, Okay. I will say that Marvel has been known to leave stuff out of their trailers and add extra things into their trailers to throw people off. I'm telling you, there there are interns that are proficient in iMovie. Yeah, so they could be adding the pink in there to like throw us off for the Wiccan speed thing and then it actually does end up being two boys or like, I don't know, it could be anything. What could be interesting is that if they also switch the colors a bit to where actually speed's color, so blue makes sense because he also, his powers and apparently his temperament takes after his uncle, Quicksilver. Speed? Yeah. Yeah. So So that blue could be for that. Exactly, yeah completely the pink once again is like maybe a faded red and red is the most prominent color in wiccan's costume true true and he also has a little bit of magic and war chaos magic yeah like that's his mom, rendered so. red and all that jazz and so but yeah but anyways enough of the rambling and that's not rambling it's pointing out key details that it the children is. need to know it is it is exactly and those are all my notes Another key detail, <laughs> if you are interested in more of this story and learning more about it before the One Division series comes out this December, I would definitely suggest going um, and picking up the comic run of House of M because I really do think that this is what, this is the story that they're trying to tell in this series in a different way. The lead up of House of M in particular. Yeah, and then they might, it might be the lead up and then um, going into sh- um, Doctor Strange's next movie will get a little little bit more context about all of that. Um, because honestly, I think he's going to be the one to snap her out of this reality. We will see because thing. two things. One, Kevin Feige loves to say that he likes to tell these movies inspired by the comics. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's that. And then also what ended up happening prior to House of M was that Doctor Strange could barely hold on to her power at all. Sure. And he worked with... Um, she's a bad bitch. He worked with Professor Xavier to try to figure out what to do and then Everyone else convened and wanted to kill a girl. Always trying to control women. I'm trying to control everything. So, yes. Danger kids. But speaking of Professor Xavier. Indeed. um, Let's move on to the next thing. Sure. Because it's about Patrick Stewart. Um, Long time actor to portray Professor Charles Dome, um, Professor Chrome Dome, Charles Xavier. I'm going to say long term, long term, long time gay. That too. Um... In the X-Men movie series. Um, And also, um, he uh, was the actor that portrayed Captain Jean-Luc Picard um, on Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, And that's the reason he was the guest on The View a couple of weeks ago. Um, He was doing press for his upcoming um, CBS Access show, Star Trek Picard. Which I think might be a little bit of a backstory about the character, but also what he's up to now. 
Yeah. Probably. Because he's old. I mean, they might try to de-age him a bit or tell a few flashbacks. One can only do so much with that. One can only hope they understand to use that within reason. True, true. We saw what happened to... Who did they de-age recently? They just... Um, the Irishman. Oh, there was that. There yeah. was that. Also, there was a bit of de-aging that happened with... Not de-aging. There were just some weird special effects that happened with um, Bruce Willis and... The movie we just watched. It's not recent, but we watched it recently, and it's making me think of this. Jumper? Looper. 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 Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We'll put our review of Looper on our Patreon. (laughs) But anyway, um, while on the show, uh, he paused the conversation for a second to invite the View resident moderator, Whoopi Goldberg, to return to the Star Trek universe. Um, He said that Alex Kurtzman, um, who was the senior executive producer of Star Trek Picard, and all of his colleagues, um, of which I am one, Patrick Stewart, um, want to invite you to the second season. Um, and of course, Whoopi Gobert answered with a yes, <laughs> praise, thank God. Um, and she also responded uh, to the whole cast saying, um, I've said this on the show before, but Star Trek was one of the greatest experiences from beginning to end. I had the best, best, best time best time ever um now goldberg played the el arian bar hostess ginan and i hope i'm pronouncing that right me too um on star trek the next generation and she played it from 1988 to 1993 that is a long run and it is an i and it was it really was an iconic role most definitely um i remember as a kid kind of seeing her character on tv and she was this calm cool um and very wise character who kind of kept things moving you know a lot of the crazy and like you know over the top you know things that they were dealing with she kind of gave some perspective to it she had a a yoda like presence for sure, for sure, for sure. So, um, but yeah, I definitely remember seeing her on, on my TV all through growing up with the show and you know um, syndication and everything. So, um, it was it was one of the most heartwarming moments um, I've seen on daytime television in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing this happen on the View, and so I'm glad that she'll be returning for the second season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to that character. If the pay is right. I think she will. I mean, she doesn't have to worry about pay no more, really, honestly. Girl, I mean, please. she does, but... Still, but yes. <laughs> they'll pay her. <laughs> they'll pay her. <laughs> if you haven't picked up on this, I'm just a ray of sunshine and optimism. <laughs> um, on to the next thing. The video game brand Atari is trying to make a comeback, though it really is not the way you might think, um, because they uh, announced that they're beginning development... On a line of Atari-themed hotels. Which is weird, if you ask me. But Yeah, you know, yeah. You're whatever. not the only one that thinks I it's guess weird. It's and expensive. Or innovative in the industry. Um, expensive. Let's just start there. We will see if it's innovative <laughs> and inventive. Very true. But um, the first hotel um, is going to start construction later this year and then open in Phoenix, Arizona sometime in the future. Um, now, they plan to combi- combine the hotel experience with um, many video game experiences like the latest VR and AR games, and, as well as state-of-the-art venues um, and studios to accommodate esports events. Okay, that makes sense. So, 
that explains kind of why they're actually going into this. Um, there's been a huge rise of popularity in esports um, and gaming conventions, so it kind of makes sense that they would want to make a hotel that people can go to. Yeah. And these events could be hosted at um, because there's a lot of money in it nowadays. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of money. And not only a lot of money in that, but also the parallel of that, which is how attractive and profitable nostalgia is now. So they're kind of hitting, and not killing, not like killing two versions of the stone per se, but definitely taking advantage of two very popular revenue streams right now. So that was one of my questions. How much of the experience is going to be Atari? Yeah. Because yeah. Because they're saying that, you know, it's going to be VR and AR and state of the art games and stuff like that. Yeah. But Atari hasn't really made video games for a while. And I think they had a con- a new console that they were planning on um, releasing, but it's still in development. It's run into troubles. I think it lost its lead designer in 2019. Yeah. So they're going through a lot of struggles with the video game. So here's where I think it could be interesting. The key to taking advantage of, this, of the nostalgia economy is the ability for parents to transmit and also ultimately share in an experience with their children that similar that was similar to their experience. True. So what I can see happening is one in terms of the question of scale, having VR and AR be the majority of experiences, and maybe the lobby and other spaces, amenities in the hotel, and the rooms having Atari consoles. Mm, that'd be interesting. So in that sense, yeah. if you want to share that moment with your kid, you can have that space in the room. It's literally the craft environment for that. And then from there, if you want to go experience something new. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and then you want to go out and experience something new, then you get to play out there. Yeah. No, that could be really cool. Yeah. It, it's almost it's expensive. Like, that light bill. No, I know. I know, I know. Well, okay. So I, I saw the um, rendering of what the hotel or convention hotel, I don't know what you yeah would call that whole thing together. Bella but, um Yes, but I saw a rendering of it, and it looks pretty cool, actually. But agreed, the light bill. Um, yes, it it's definitely the energy consumption. Yeah, yeah, this is not good for planet Earth. Um, oh God! But it it definitely has the the iconic three striped Atari logo going throughout the style mm-hmm. um, and the design of the building. Um, and the lighting, though, it's very very like Tron esque. So, um, like, hard metals with backlighting. Uh, um, to resemble, like, plasma almost blue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes exactly. sense. Though, the one that I saw it was very Sith, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because it was, like, black metal or concrete ooh, or whatever it was. know what they should do. And then red lighting behind, and I was like, ooh. That's interesting. That yeah. also was not a welcoming environment when you walk into it. Doesn't it doesn't look great. Oh, yeah. It, it also shrinks nice. the space. Yeah, agree. From a color theory agree. perspective. What could be interesting, though, is if you go into the rooms, and the rooms... Um, are a color palette of red, yellow, and white. That could be interesting. Sure. To provide contrast to the black and red in the lobby. Cool. Yeah, I don't know. I'm here for consulting. <laughs> They're not paying me to make that decision. I'm here just waiting for my invoice. Um, also, they're far. Okay, they're planning. That is very true. <laughs> that is very true. We're over here sitting nice and tight on the East Coast, wasting all of our money on rent in New York City. Um, and, and the immersive wonderland. <laughs> the immersive wonderland, yes. Um, 
And all of these hotels are going to be out west. So we we have obviously Phoenix, Arizona, like I said. Mm-hmm. But then they're planning Las Vegas, which Viva. I think makes sense. Las Vegas makes sense. Um, Austin, Seattle, San Francisco, and San Jose. The closest one to us is going to be in Chicago. That's real. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, that sucks. It makes sense, though. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if you were to bring in and probably tap into an Asian tourist market... It's easier to get to these places. Right. Place. I mean, there is spaces a... Spaces and places. <laughs> yeah, there is a huge... Um, there's there's a huge demographic from, um, from like, Asia for esports, um, you know. And it would make sense to come from, like, to California and to the West, I guess. Yeah. I guess there's also maybe more room for real estate out there. Very um, true. And maybe the real estate is cheaper in some of these places. Definitely not San Francisco. Definitely not... Las Vegas, but you know. Yeah. Ooh, if some conference organizer, my event planner had going on, can get a package for a con. So if they were to do a con, if they were to do like an esports con in a nearby space, and then they got a lodging package. No, completely. Jesus. I think that's. I think that's the kind of thing that they're yeah. going for. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I want money. Keep it in the video game family. You know. <laughs> money. I want it. <laughs> but um. Yeah, we'll move on to the next thing. Most definitely. The closeout news reel with this. So, um, Netflix's animated Castlevania series is coming back um, to our TVs very soon. Yes, it is. Earlier this week, the streaming giant tweeted a new poster and official release date for the third season. Um, and it is going to be... March 5th. So we have a little bit, about a month. Yeah, you know, roughly three weeks, three and a half weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty soon, and I'm I'm very happy because it's a very good series, very good, definitely yes. Um, but the plot for it, we still don't know what they're doing. No idea. It's under wraps for now, which is kind of it. Kind of makes sense. I think it was uh, I think it was about two or three weeks before they unveiled the plot of the second season of the series. That makes sense. Um, two to three weeks before uh, it released, so that's fine. Um, but we know that Al- Alucard, Trevor, um, Safia... Sifa. Sifa? Mm-hmm. Sifa. I'm sorry, bad bitch alert. <clears throat> We're going to pronounce her name correctly. You're right. Sifa. You're right. She uses <laughs> magic, especially her ice magic. Can we talk Man. about it? Whew. The yeah. head that she's They splices. do a great job of animating all of the fight scenes in this show. Yes. Oh my god, it's amazing. Do yourself um, a favor and go look this up on YouTube, but as you were saying. Or just go to Netflix and watch it. Actually, Binge it's it. probably best is to watch the it's show. Great. It's great. The first season, I think, is six episodes, maybe four or six episodes. Really short. It is definitely bloody, though. And it I plays will say like that. a movie. And then the second season is a little bit longer, but it definitely dives more into the lore of the sh- of the um, the video game franchise, um, and it it just like it it definitely opens up the characters for you to kind of understand their, um, their their motivations, their motivations and their, their insides a little bit more. Yes, yeah, that too, especially especially the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also see um, Carmilla on the poster. Um, who we know will retri- replace Dracula as the uh, villain in this series because, spoiler alert, Dracula's dead. Yeah. Yeah. So she's introduced in season two, mm-hmm. which is very interesting and very great because actually, Carmilla is a novel that predates Bram Stoker's Dracula. 
Interesting. Yes. Oh, yes. 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 Yes, I knew this. Yes. Yes, you did. I sure did. <laughs> so I'm like, this makes perfect sense for her to become the main antagonist now that the false prophet and false king is dead. So I have my own feelings about the whole Dracula thing. Like, honestly, I would have been on Dracula's side because humans were being messy. Oh, completely. As, as, as humans do. All he wanted to do, do was fall in love and have his little family. And yes. Yes. That's all he wanted to do. And then they had to go and kill his wife, burn her at the stake for heresy. When she was a doctor helping the poor and the sick and the shut-in. Look. Mm. Why? Humans great they till they gotta to be go. great. They had to go. Uh, but anyways, uh, executive producer Adi Shakar um, is also developing a Devil May Cry series, uh, animated series for Netflix, I believe. And uh, for those of you who don't know what Devil May Cry is, it is also another huge, long-running video game franchise um, that deals with... Uh, demons. Demon slayers and, you know tangentially vampires and heaven and hell and all of that stuff kind of like the castlevania series here so um he he said that they're kind of trying to build this bootleg multiverse of sorts i don't like the way that sounds (laughs) i don't like the way that sounds um to me it's really funny because you know these days you have everyone trying to build these like uh anthologies and shared universes shared universes sure oh my god it's such a trend now so i feel like but bootleg do you know what that sounds like to me Mm -hmm. literally it sounds like the crossover episodes that happened in early 90s cartoon shows or early aughts that made no sense whatsoever exactly (laughs) that made no sense whatsoever um who johnny bravo did one with somebody i think it was dexter's lab i also think it was scooby-doo too i feel like i feel like everybody had had. exactly none of which made sense canonically and that's perfectly fine when your tv show is a day in the life Mm -hmm. in terms Mm -hmm. of its narrative format Mm -hmm. when you are doing that long form storytelling like they do on netflix that don't make no sense well, look, <laughs> they might, it's not set in stone. They're just saying, he's just saying it might happen. And I'm also kind of down for it. That's fine. That's fine. But let's not forget, there's no, another bad bitch who I would like to see on Netflix as well. If we're just, you know, Bayonetta? building out, you, if we're just building out universes, <laughs> if we're just giving out and building out universes here. <laughs> Go look up Bayonetta. That is another video. We will include franchise. her in our show notes. Yeah. Now she is. Yeah, she's amazing. She's awesome. She, one, is bespectacled. She is. And she also has these amazing-ass boots. And if you like the gameplay of Devil May Cry, you will love the gameplay of Bayonetta. Yep. Particularly if you are of the spectacle persuasion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, extra. <laughs> yeah, extra. <laughs> if you live a life of flair. Uh, yes. But... Hopefully, um, we will see um, little speckles and tidbits of Devil May Cry's um, story or something relating to them in this third season of Castlevania that will kind of tie all of this in together. Yeah. Um, at the end. That won't be bootleg. That won't be bootleg. I mean, they're going to do it with nuance and grace. I know they're going to do that. They did it with on the second season with a lot of the backstory for Castlevania. I'm just here for Carmilla looking like Emma Frost. That's all I'm here for. Or Clay- Kate Blanchett. I really think, yeah. yeah. We don't want this podcast to be three hours. We got to <laughs> push through it because right. I'm, I'm really asking for a Kate Blanchett, um, Charlize Theron, Angela Bassett spy thriller Ooh, where they are all that would heads be interesting. of rival spy agencies. Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
That would be cool. And but like sorry, you said, you're right. See, I told you. You said the word. That's you the said her name. That's you said the her name. Newsreel for yes. this week, um, and we are rolling right along into right for the into for the culture. For the culture. For the culture. Um, all right. Folks, the world of animated content is becoming far more diverse and inclusive, um, not only in terms of characters, Thank God. but also relationships and lived experiences that shape these characters' lives. There, well, you know, a lot more work to be done. Definitely there's a lot more work to be done. I feel like the kids are going to be all right. They have shows like She-Ra, which is ultimately redefining how we think about the way feminism is portrayed, the way that mm-hmm. there can be a female lead of mm-hmm. this, these kind of stories. We have Carmen Sandiego and its underlying anti-colonialist plunder vibes, which I really love, mm-hmm. despite the voice actress. <laughs> a little problematic. Yeah, um, we got Steven Universe out here Universe. making everything queer, yes. which I adore. You have Craig in the Creek, which is really telling kids to embrace their imagination as a tool of world creation. Yeah, it's also showing the black family as something to be celebrated yes, on, yes. Like, on like screens that everyone's watching, you know? It's, exactly. It's destigmatizing folk of what, you know, our neighborhood and our culture is. Yeah. If you're getting excited by all of this, now is also a great time for you to jump back into animation or to get into animation, especially as a tool of reparenting and reconnecting with your inner child. So today we're going to chat about why this moment in animation can be a great time to hop back in if you are familiar with it, to expose your expose yourself to, especially if you're someone that is looking to reconnect with their inner child in a very tumultuous social and political climate yes that should be everyone's goal for 2020 look take care of your peace for this decade (laughs) fuck shit up commit crimes and take care of your peace oh okay (laughs) anyway (laughs) all right so what is reparenting a lot of folks know what your inner child is or at least has a frame of reference for thinking about what an inner child is but this term reparenting i think is relatively new outside of Certain spaces, I would say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. By definition, it is about really taking care of your inner child as a parent and caregiver would care for a small child as a means of healing from trauma. Um, I feel like its key importance is in its ability to really fill in the gaps, as in to take care of the needs that you may have in terms of psychosocial, emotional needs that didn't get met, all that jazz, all that kind of growth that might have been stunted because of trauma. And prevented you from really living a life of authenticity as a competent adult, mm-hmm. as they call it in the literature. It's really characterized by a set of key practices all around loving yourself. And these can vary from the um, light-hearted, I would say. You know, speaking kindly to your inner child each day. Having a loving, soothing inner voice. All that jazz. Self-affirmation. Telling them that they are loved, valued, and appreciated by you. It can get a bit deeper, um, which is telling your inner child that they have nothing to feel guilty or ashamed about. None of what happened to them was ever their fault, that they didn't deserve to be treated badly. It can get even deeper to saying that you were just in the wrong place at the wrong time and with no means of escape, but now you are free at last. It can get even deeper in the sense of if you and your child want to cry, let that child cry. 
be there for the child as if a parent would be there for their child that is crying and seeking their pain and fear, accept their feelings and don't react negatively when it comes up. Mm-hmm. So all things that can really hit you in the feels. Great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but there are also some chief recommendations that I think really align themselves with consuming and investing in animation as tools of reconnecting with the inner child. So things like getting back to things that brought you joy as a child, setting up creative activities to be playful with your inner child, um, having a safe place that you can bring your child and you together, you can meet and play. And then there's something else which is very interesting, but I'm going to hold that for later. So pausing here that I've walked you through trauma, not even one-on-one, a very reductive. Yeah, a little (laughs) bit, you know, the, the, the bold points. Exactly. What do you think, Mike, about this idea of reparenting? And Oh, I think it's great. I mean, everyone, I don't care how well-adjusted you are, deals with some sort of trauma that you, or has gone through some sort of trauma that you're still dealing with. Mm-hmm. No one's 100% okay, perfect, okie-dokie, fine. Um, this is not Pleasantville. Things are not black and white. It's all technicolor. Yeah. So I think going back and remembering those things that when you felt your most or maybe you know your most innocent and the things that that kind of helped you like you know be happy and smile just out of the pureness of you know enjoying them and kind of being in uh, you, you know you know with them and consuming them I think that's a good thing yeah I agree and I think animation is one of those things now I know everyone wasn't allowed to watch cartoons very true very when they true were children but I think it's, you know, there's a cartoon out there for everybody that can help them feel those same things. Oh, yeah, completely. I mean, there is one prompt that I got from my therapist, which is think about a time which you are most whole. And that can be a very difficult thing to sit with and allow space to breathe and, and, and react and grow and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think that for me, the first time that I heard that, I thought about watching things like Thundercats. Thunder. Or thunder, thunder, yes, thunder guts. Oh, <laughs> and how I started to make weapons because I like weapons on the show. But well, anyway, that's <laughs> that we um, no, but I did like watching Cheetar and I wanted to be Cheetar so badly. Cheetar was cool. I was always Tiger, obviously, exactly. But some of these recommendations as it relates to reparenting also really align with what we're here to talk about today. So things like getting back to things that brought you joy as a child, um, setting up creative activities to be playful with your inner child, having a safe place that you can bring to mind where you and your inner child can meet and play together. So I don't know about all y'all, as we have talked about, animated content brings us joy. So Mike, you kind of alluded to um, watching cartoons a bit when mm-hmm. you were growing up. Oh, all the time. But just kind of freeballing it, opening it up to a bit more than just cartoons, what are other kinds of animated content that brought you joy when you were a kid? Other than cartoons? Yeah. Cartoons, um, video games, I know you had those in the household. Well, I mean, I know it's technically the, it's also animated content, but I think anime is another thing. I met some of my, you know, really close early childhood friends um, and who are still some of my really good friends to this day, bonding over things like Digimon and Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh, which are all anime. Yeah, yeah. Technically. Um, also, you have video games, so like Spyro, Crash Bandicoot. Um, oh, God, I don't know. There's so many. There's so many things. Oh, yeah, completely. It's hard. I, I really need right? to go back and make right? a list and remember these things. Because, honestly, everything on Cartoon Network was my, my Jewish, like, mm, 
That's real. Good, good shit. <laughs> yes. Um, and Disney Channel was cool, too, even though Disney Channel was a lot more live action stuff with their yeah. Disney Channel original movies and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I was somewhat less, not less. I was going to say I was less into Cartoon Network, but I realized I, it wasn't that I was less into Cartoon Network, but some of my favorite TV shows weren't on there. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Nickelodeon too. That was... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Completely. Mm-hmm. Hey, Arnold. So things mm-hmm. like Gargoyles, which I loved, but Gargoyles was ended up being on Disney XD at yeah. some point. I think it was a, a WB show at first and then yeah. they merged and... Which is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they started to get into mythology from King Arthur's time, which I was here for. <laughs> then you had Mummies Alive. Which was so, I so good. The battle armor was so good. So Mummies Alive, the premise of it is that you had a bunch of mummies who were guarding, I believe his name was King Ramses. Um, and King Ramses was reincarnated into a child. Or there's a necklace involved. Either way, there was some form of reincarnation. The mummies mm-hmm. woke up because they still have to protect him from evil. And there was one character, actually two in particular, Wrath, whose armor resembled a snake. It was also the most clever, but as per usual, the most arrogant because we snake. have a... It's a Slytherin. Exactly. Um, and then there was Nefertina. That name. Another bad bitch alert. Yeah, bad bitch, but the name Nefertina. I just, I can't. <laughs> Couldn't stomach that when I was seven. Can't stomach it now yeah. at 28. Oh, because a playoff no. of Nefertiti. Yeah. Nefertiti. <laughs> but they called her Nefertina. <laughs> I hate you. But she was voiced by the phenomenal Cree Summer. Yes. Speaking of Cree Summer, um, codename, Kids, codename Kids Next Door. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so good. So all these things that we're talking about right now, they brought us joy and they still can. They can also bring you just as much joy. And arguably one of the most important practices of reparenting a child that connects to why I think animation can be a great tool of reparenting is that it can allow you to seek out visual inspiration for what excited you as a child, especially if you are shaped by, or as we all are, when you say if you are, we all are shaped by our environment. And there are certain things that we need to see in terms of who we wanted to be as we were growing up, especially things that we wanted to feel and need, which I thought was very important. I think reparenting can allow us to do that. And I think animation is a great form of that. It reminded me a lot of vision boards and in particular mm. using vision boards as a tool of healing. And we often fill those with, you know, hyper-realistic images of what our intentions are and what we hope our future should be. <laughs> so since we're already in that realm of hyper-realism, why don't we lean into another form of hyper-realist visual interpretation and mm-hmm. inspiration like TV shows and movies and video games that are making shockwaves across the animation landscape. Cool. So, Mike, in that vein, who or what are some characters or, you know, content that folks might want to look to for inspiration of relationships, ways of being in the world, all that jazz from this landscape that's becoming ever more inclusive? Still some work now, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm, definitely can be a balm in today's environment. Yeah, for sure. So you asked me this question earlier. <laughs> and I'm realizing now that my immediate examples all have to deal with the fact that like it's about family. 
Oh, yay. Metacore thing, which I don't know what that means. I know exactly what but, that means. Um, so the three off the top of my head, but I'm going to add another one afterwards. The three off the top of my head are the short um, film Hair Love, which was, uh, I think yes. we talked about in an earlier episode. Yes. Um, nominated for an Oscar this year um, for best short um, for best short film or animated short film. Mm, animated short. Animated short. Yeah. Um, fingers crossed, toes crossed, hopes it wins. Um, I think that's a great one. Also, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, that's also a really good one. Right? Um, and last but not least, Craig of the Creek, like we said before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think all three of these really kind of, um, express the, express, express different dynamics of, um, being in a black family. Yeah. Um, yeah. and some of those families are even mixed, which is a great thing. Um, and it also shows our dynamics of love and how they are expressed. Yeah. Um, and support and the support system that's there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. No, I think that is of crucial importance in general because one, these movies and content, I would say content, Mm -hmm. broadly speaking, are all about family and reparenting for a lot of black and brown folks or for folks from historically marginalized communities is about reconnecting and redefining what family means to them Mm -hmm. and redefining how trust and intimacy informs either their strong relationship with and connection to that idea Mm -hmm. or their aversion to the idea of family and to the idea of community. Yeah. And I think it's also a great thing because you can tell that um, people who live this these shows wrote these things. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And developed these things. You know, it's it's not a caricature or what someone thinks everyday life is like or these experiences of doing your daughter's hair or driving your son to school or yeah. you yeah. know, playing outside with your friends is like these are people that like actually had those experiences and are coming from them. Or didn't. And I think that also connects back to reparenting and why I think it's such right. why animation is such a is, valuable yeah, thing. And this is their way of expressing like, oh, this yeah. would have been great. This is what I needed. Yeah. This is something that would have, you know, made or yeah, yeah. I, and reparenting is all about filling in those gaps, being able to really love on your inner child in a way that gives it the nurture um and that gives it the the care that it actually needs to go from being, you know, this child psycho and emotionally to being mm-hmm. this quote unquote competent adult who does things like setting boundaries in a healthy way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> things like that. Um, and the last one I wanted to say was um, The Owl House, which is a new show on Disney. Yeah. Um, and um, I think that one's really cool because it comes, it's really telling the story from a point of view from... Um, a little girl who's um, a little Latinx girl who's super imaginative, but has thought by her community and even by her family that just because she has all these thought like in, in like incredible, um, very creative thoughts in her head about these um, different scenarios around basically a writer, yeah, you know that she's weird or that she's too much, you mm-hmm. know, and um, she finds this other world where that's accept it and that's um something that um they uh they definitely support and feed into yeah where the weird is the norm you know that kind of thing so yeah Yeah. i think that's really cool too because that's something i would have i i kind of had that situation as a kid too at times so well mine well my suggestion as well as my relationship to my suggestion mirrors 
the content of and stories of Kippo and the Age of Wonder Beasts on Netflix, which is Love really, really show. great. <laughs> and Mike talked about it last week for his What's Coming Down the Pipe. And in fact, it is a post-apocalyptic animated show that has a different take on what it means to live in a post-apocalyptic landscape. One that's less focused on, um, or overtly focused on decay and more so focused on the fact that these beasts have adapted and can talk, mm-hmm. which is really cool, yeah. have developed their own social mores and communities and, and distinctions and ways of living and fighting, which is fucking fascinating. Um, but what I love so much about it is that Kippo, she is unabashedly curious about the world. Yeah. And she allows that curiosity to drive her engagement and appreciation mm-hmm. of the world and deep, profound belief that the world is ultimately good. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And I remember having similar feelings growing up, but then through some trauma, <laughs> came to really think of that and, and internalize that as a weakness. So this show, I think, is really great in helping kids see that not only is it great to be curious about the world, but also her knowledge of earth science in particular, but also cosmology, things like that, which is like batshit for her age, that that is amazing that you can be someone that is very interested in science and also an adventurer as well. I feel like now we're getting more stories about kids where it's great to be, you know, STEM excited Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term but Mm -hmm. to see that combined with an over element around adventure as someone that asked um, a family member to create the rope struggle gym from uh, (laughs) Tomb Raider Raider and uh, fell promptly on his ass (laughs) in the garage but I was also very adventurous as a child and it was largely driven by this innate curiosity that is at the heart of why Kippo was so great Mm -hmm. and what makes her so unique in addition to having a mutation I also I also like that um, in that series there's this character named Benson. Yes, and he yes. is this happy-go-lucky kind of like over-optimistic, but you know very realistic um, boy. Um, he's this like you know little black boy, um, and halfway through the series, um, kind of spoiler, but you know it's not a big part. It's not really a big spoiler. Um, Kipo kind of says that she likes him, you know, in a way that's more than friends. And he's like, oh, you know, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, and then she's like, "Do wait, do you not like me? And he's like, no, I like you, just not in that way. And, he's, and then he says, like, because I'm gay. And, like, just hearing a little, like, you know, a teenager, you know, a he black looks teenager. He like eight, even though he's, he's, he's eight, 12. He's like, yeah, he's like 12, 13. But um, so still like, a child. Yeah, but still anyway. a child. But like seeing that representation on screen yes. and knowing and seeing the reaction from Kipo and, you know, he already has other friends yeah. you know, that already knows or whatever. But seeing that is like really powerful. Yes. And something that like, wow, that's something that would have been cool for me to see when I was a kid as well. Yeah. Also, um, they do not. How do I say this? Um, they got money. And by they got money, I mean that the animation style is great, but also the voice talent. Well, it's DreamWorks they, Studio. Oh, I know, but mm-hmm. I'm just letting them know that because we have to do a whole episode around voice acting yes, in particular. Yes, we do. But Stay tuned. <laughs> the voice acting in this one is great because they do not pull any punches. You have Sterling K. Brown that voices Kippo's dad, mm-hmm. Dan Stevens from a bunch of shit, including Legion, as you were talking about. I'm surprised you um, didn't say Downton Abbey. I was going to say Downton Abbey, but it's the wrong audience. But you know what? There <laughs> might be some parallels and some overlaps. So if you also like Downton Abbey, Cousin Matthew, 
um, voices the main villain on here. I was like, wow, Dan Stevens used to have cheeks. Yeah. Yeah, he did. As in, like, on his face. What? I, yeah, he used to be a bit chunkier. Yeah, I was like, whoa. Yes. So, yes, definitely check out uh, Netflix, Kippo, and the Age of Wonder Beast. It's like seven? No, ten episodes. I think it's, yeah, I think it's like ten. Ten episodes. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Really, really good. And fortunately, most of what we talked about is, well, that's a lie. Kippo and the Age of Wonder Beast is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is still on Netflix. I'm not entirely sure for how long. Um, it's technically it's also Sony. So oh yeah, they. Sure I don't do. know how they are. I don't know how they would handle it, but um, yeah, it's on Netflix for right now. Craig and the Creek is on Cartoon you, Network. Right, you can if you have um cable, you can log into Cartoon Network's streaming um app and watch it anytime you want. Um, there are also a couple episodes available on the U- Cartoon Network YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, and then otherwise, uh, yeah. Yeah, for all of our other shows that we mentioned, and then um, Hair Love is actually playing in another, like as a um, playing ahead of another movie that's in theaters right now too. I I can't remember, but it's also because <laughs> I just YouTube. saw an article about it. But yeah, it is also on YouTube as well. <laughs> so if you don't want to pay sixteen ninety, if yeah. you live in New York or have however much you have to pay in whatever city or township you live in, um, <laughs> then yeah, watch Hair Love on YouTube. Either way, give it its support. But yeah. Everything else that's like an 80s or an 80s, 90s or early aughts cartoon, uh, I'm sure you can find it on the interwebs somewhere. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Most definitely. So either way, we cannot wait to hear about your journeys of loving on your inner child through exposing them to such great content that can reconnect you both in a space of loving acceptance of yourself and your place in the world. Yes. All right. Well, that's it for For the Culture. Cool. Awesome. So, now our last segment. Um, please explain. Please explain. What are we explaining? Um, or what are we asking to be explained today? To us, yes. To us, yes. Please explain why white people try to celebrate <laughs> Black History Month at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I really am wondering, like, why do they try? Was this out of a celebration for Black History Month? Yeah, so... Oh, um no. These have been pulled, I believe, as of today, but so they don't, Barnes they and Noble... Only, they were only out there for one day. Before they were dragged severely. Um, Barnes and Noble partnered with Penguin Random House to showcase diversity during Black History Month in their flagship store in Manhattan um, by... Showing the canon, essentially, what what is considered <laughs> the quote-unquote literary canon. So your things like um, The Wizard of Oz, The Secret Guardian, Moby Dick, showing diverse titles. So showing black and brown faces, occasionally also um, some, uh, I think there were some characters who were supposed to be Asian mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, on these covers. Just non-white faces. Just non-white yeah. faces mm-hmm. on the canon. So it's still Moby Dick. It's still The Secret Garden. White Children in the Bushes. It's still Emma. It's still The Wizard of Oz. The wording is not changed. The The character descriptions are not changed in the books. It's still The Wizard of Oz, so White Girl Gets to the Medicine Cabinet. It's still Peter Pan, White Boys and Peggy. (laughs) Like, it's... Nothing has really changed at all. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. what's funny is that actually they didn't even need to change. Like, yes, you can keep Moby Dick in the Secret Garden and then also celebrate the likes of... Toni Morrison and 
Exactly. <laughs> you can celebrate Octavia Butler. You can celebrate James Baldwin. You can celebrate Zorino Hurston. There are so many other characters. And I'm just naming black folks because it is Black History Month. Let us, right. Let's not get it confused. But, like, if you really want to show a change um, or show that, like, oh, we're moving to diversity and more inclusion in the industry, um, instead of doing this just for book covers why not actually hire people and let people write can we talk have about those it backgrounds and have those rep- that representation um to create new stuff because that's what we want to get and I want hire more new stuff. the editors who would have told you no exactly yes whether it's your marketing department whether it's your editorial department whether it's your sales department definitely your hr yeah i mean there's just a lot of no's that happened on a lot of notes that should have happened earlier on so that we're not in this space once again where well-meaning white folks have fucked it up and, and like, not even well-meaning because there are also probably some that were like you know what yeah put this out here because that you know what that'll that'll get them that'll be enough for one month oh you know it was of course you know for sure well as well, they say i'm surprised but not surprised yeah, not at all. No. But you know what? The road to hell is paved with good intentions and ill-conceived marketing campaigns. The best part about this was seeing, like, the likes of N.K. Jemison and Nettie Okorafor and, like, so many others oh. <laughs> tweet at Penguin Random across, House. Across genre. Barnes and Noble. Yeah, oh, yeah. Across completely. genre. Just being like, what? This ain't it. Yes. <laughs> this is not it. Yes. <laughs> well, you know what? We have approximately too many more days in this month. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a leap year. Oh, so, God, an extra day. So, you know what? Even though that's an extra day to be disappointed, I also see it as an extra day to... Celebrate how, how wonderful it is to be Black. Yes. Yes. And to also reparent my inner child. Yes. Lovely. Is that, is that what it was? That it was is. Topic? That is. That was the topic, dear. Yay. Yes. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we're done here, dear. Yep. Once again, thanks for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the news, the conversation, and the rough edits, of which there are probably a lot. Please write and review generously. <laughs> and remember to follow us on Twitter at This Is The Ink, all lowercase, and on our Instagram at This underscore is underscore the underscore ink. Also all lowercase. Yes. And share with your friends and family and undecided. See you next time. Bye, y'all.